Welcome to another edition of the Scout Team Podcast. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. This is episode two of this new podcast where we'll break down prospects and games from a scouting perspective. And in this episode, I'll be joined by one of our own once again, and Chris James, who I've known since I was 12 years old, great friend of mine. Um, he's done great work for our site for a very long time, back before we even did video. Chris was with football game plan and today's focus will be on the senior bowl from a scouting perspective where chris has done a lot of great work from scouting the east west shrine game to being at other all-star games so you can follow him on twitter at cj florida nine he's also on instagram and facebook follow him there as well but always you can find this show and our other podcasts on itunes under the football game plan radio network and on our soundcloud page as well, footballgameplan.com or soundcloud.com slash FBGP podcast, as well as archive on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. So, Chris, we got all that out the way. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you were able to join us. Thanks for having me on. Well, anytime, man. Again, like I said, I've known you since I was 12 years old, man. So I know a lot about you that a lot of people don't know. You know, I know you were a tremendous athlete. Tell you what, you know, Chris could dunk a basketball from, from half court. When he was thirteen, you know, three point line, three point line, <laughs> three point line. Chris was just three point line. Like he was just re- ridiculous with the athleticism, and also on the football field, one of the fastest dudes I've ever seen. Um, it, not only just on the football field, but also on the track too. So, you've been busy. You've been running around all week long since bowl season started. Actually, what you been doing? What you been up to? Oh, hitting the road and actually been to quite a few football games starting last Wednesday. I uh, was at in Orlando for the Russell Athletic Bowl. I uh, got to see a uh, matchup between two good teams, uh, West Virginia and Miami. Uh, went back over to Orlando for the Citrus Bowl to see LSU and Louisville, which is definitely an elite matchup. And then this past Monday, uh, went to see the Outback Bowl over here in Tampa. So that was Florida and Iowa. Been very busy, uh, checking out a few things, and I have the the opportunity to go to those three bowl games well what's interesting is that like i said before you know you're a tremendous athlete you played wide receiver um you played some safety how does that play into what you do now as far as how you look at the game you know i tend to look at it from one perspective i at before i started doing this full time as far as like when we started football game plan but before when i coached it was from a running back's perspective, and I had to really relearn the game. So always wanted to know what, what did you see um, from your perspective, and how are you now able to cultivate what you've learned and what you've experienced to how you are able to scout? You know, it, it's funny, since I did play on both sides of the ball, the offensive portion playing receiver, it told me to trust what I feel, you know, getting in and out of breaks. You know, going across the middle can be a, an interesting experience, especially with some of the, the linebackers we had to face back in our day. And uh, the defensive side, safety, told me to trust what I see. And that plays into scouting very much. You have to know what you feel about a prospect because of just the intangible por- portions of it. But then what you see, that game film, what, 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 you're, what he's constantly putting out on tape, don't let any of the other metrics fool you. If this person is doing their job, there's a reason for it if it's consistently happening. No, that's true, though. I mean, you see that a lot where we tend to overthink certain things where we'll see a guy break off 60 to 70-yard runs and we say, well, maybe he can't do this or maybe he doesn't have the explosiveness or the speed. 
but we constantly watch him rip off 70-yard runs, and there's a reason why he's able to do that. So I totally agree with you there. Um, we talked a little bit about scouting philosophy down in Tampa last year. We, we did a video where, if you guys don't know, you know, we did a video where we talked about each one of our scouting philosophy and try to put it into a quote-unquote football game plan scouting philosophy. But it's really unique because we are, like we say, the Voltron of analysts. You know, we see things differently. We tend to focus on certain things, and we all have our different processes and, and different philosophies. So, Chris, just circling back a little bit on what we talked about last year, what what is your personal scouting philosophy? Because I thought you had a unique take on it. So in my, it plays into my overall uh, philosophy with football. It's a complex game. It's a simple game played, uh, managed, scouted, coached by complex people. Uh, they're, they're the ones that put the flavor into it, but football itself is just a simple game. It's X's and O's. Uh, when it comes to scouting in particular, I, I'm a huge proponent of trusting the tape. Uh, what a person puts out there on Fridays in high school they're likely going to put out there on Saturdays in college, which is going to translate to what they put out there on Sundays in the NFL. So uh, instead of getting caught up in the the hoopla of, of, of all the extra things and making things complex, again, football itself is, is very straightforward, very simple, uh, and you should respect it in that, and that's why you just trust the tape. It'll tell you all you need to know. Now, Speaking of trusting the tape, you, you said something last year that was just mind-blowing, man. And while we were shooting that, that scouting philosophy video, you know, while we're all getting things set up and trying to figure out how we're going to approach this thing and what format we're going to use and all that good stuff like that, we were kind of talking about our top quarterback prospects. And I remember I was on Team Cardell Jones, you know, saying like, hey, he's the best one in this draft class. I had a second-round grade on him. And no one was going to tell me any different. You know, I think I forgot who said Trayvon Boykin. Maybe it was Teron. Uh, that was Teron. That was Teron. Teron had Trayvon Boykin. And Gene had – who was Gene's top quarterback? I think they both had Trayvon. Both had Trayvon Boykin. And, we, you know, quite honestly, we've seen both guys do well. Uh, Cardell Jones in the preseason just finally got his chance to play in a regular season game in week 17. And Trayvon Boykin has looked good in the preseason and also in regular season games. So – um, we weren't far off on our assessment that those guys can definitely play. But you, on the other hand, you went out on a limb. You said, you know what? Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the country. And we all were just like, wait, what? And you were like, yeah, Dak Prescott. And we was like, man. And so, it, you know, it got, it got, it had that awkward silence where not where we, like, not where we didn't think you didn't know what you were talking about, but almost like, wait a minute, let me think about this. Because, you know, we hadn't had the – we really didn't think Dak Prescott in that same – it's almost like we kind of pushed him to the side like everybody else did in the draft. And so you really went out there, and that was in January on it before the Senior Bowl. And yes. it, it was like, you know, Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the country. And we were like, how? What was – where did that come about? So – Here's your opportunity because a lot of people didn't get that because we didn't record that. That was obviously off camera. But how did you see something that no one else saw? So when I look at the position of the guy, yes, granted, I'm going to give credence to their quote-unquote accuracy and all these things. Those all play pieces into the quarterback position. But 
those things get proved out usually when a guy's wearing shirt or shorts or there's a very clean pocket. Everything's perfect. So you get your guys who appear to be the top quarterback. For me, while those have some merit, I want the guy that, if not stays the same, gets better when the pressure's on because that's what the NFL is going to offer to them. It's going to be pressure. It's going to be situations that aren't ideal or perfect. And you're going to need someone who does not fold in those positions. I've watched Dak Prescott fail, succeed, but the main thing is I've watched him ascend from a pretty decent athlete playing quarterback to a pretty good athlete playing great quarterback. And that was the whole thing. I watched him lead men on a team that, quite honestly, didn't have the, t- the, the talent of an Alabama or LSU. At Mississippi State, he made them a number one in the country team at one point off of just will and want to. And, you know, it's funny because I remember his junior year saying, like, you know, why is he a Heisman candidate, you know? And then his senior year, I kind of sat back and was like, you know what? He's really getting better. The same same thing, same feeling I had for Jacoby Brissett. Think like, man, this dude really got some game. You know, he's improved. He's completely different than he was at Florida. And I remember it was that bowl game. I guess it was the Belk Bowl. Both of them played, and I was like, man, Dak is really playing his his ass off in this bowl game, you know, yep. just doing the right thing, moving the ball down the field. But I did not see what we're seeing now with the Dallas Cowboys. You did, and we have to give you a ton of credit for that because, and, and lo and behold, he went down to the Senior Bowl and he was one of the best quarterbacks there. And and people got on me because of that. I I said, hey, when I was on a radio show, I, they asked about Carson Wentz, and I was like, yo, to be honest. Wentz was the fifth best quarterback there, fourth or fifth, because Dak was playing his butt off there. Cody Kessler was playing his butt off there. Um, and, and Jacoby Reset was playing his butt off there. And quite honestly, Jeff Driscoll was playing his butt off there as well, you know, throughout the practice. The, yeah, he, he looked like the MVP in some some situations. He, he he played his butt off. He played his butt off, man. And Wentz kind of – Wentz didn't look terrible. He just was – he just kind of fit in. Wentz looked the most comfortable when they were just throwing the ball in drills. When they were doing one-on-ones or warm-up drills, he threw probably the, the most crisp pass with the best sound. But again, that doesn't impress me. I'm not looking for that. Josh Freeman could do that back in the day. I don't want that. I want a guy who, when the chips are down, when the game is going on and when it's tough, is going to show big. And it was no offense to him. I I didn't know as much about Wentz as a guy like Prescott, and by no means that I think Prescott was going to be this. I thought he was going to be a good starting NFL quarterback, and out of everyone that was offered last year, he was just the guy that I would give the keys to the car to if I was a GM. Pretty smart, man. You, you that's that's why you 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 are where you are, and, and you do what you do, Chris, because you're a smart dude. Always have been very analytical. Now we're going to take a, a see how psychic you are. We're going to as we move on to the senior bowl this year. And it's quite honestly, you always wonder when the season starts that, okay, who's going to be the senior crop this year. And you always kind of say, uh, maybe it's not going to be as good, but looking at this roster that they've put together again, every year there's talent, man. And you see a bunch of good talent out here on this roster. Now I'll start it with you, man. You look at these, these quarterbacks, you know, a lot of people will say 
the senior quarterback class is down, but there's some talent here. Um, people are always looking for the next next Dak Prescott, but there's a guy that's not here that I'm upset about, and that's P.J. Walker of Temple, but we're not going to talk about that. That's for another show. Um, but starting with the quarterbacks, man, who, who's a guy here that you're excited to see down in Mobile? Mainly because of a lack of familiarity and Look, I have no problem saying if I haven't seen a guy or don't have enough to really give a good grade on him. Uh, Division two prospect out of Tiffin, Antonio Pipkin. I, I want to f- see how this guy plays. The other guys I've seen either some film on or a lot with some, the Chad Kellys and, and CJ Beathards of the world. But this kid, I'm interested to see what he has to offer. You know, he has that quote-unquote requisite size, 6'3", 225. I don't have the level of familiarity I would like to to have, so he will be my focal point at quarterback at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I look at the two guys here, or three guys actually. Nathan Peterman plays a, a really good game. He plays that Cody Kessler-like game to me. Um, I've been on record saying I thought Sefo Lufau was probably the best senior quarterback in his in his draft class, and Josh Dobbs. I think everybody has him pegged to be the next uh, Dak Prescott. So we'll see. And and Dobbs, you know, it's funny with Dobbs because early on when he first got to start, you was like, yo, he was clearly better than the guy that was in front of him. Who was the guy that was starting in front of him? That And it was in that Alabama game where they was like, you know what? We're tired of looking at you. Dobbs getting here and staying there. And he came oh out through goodness. a touchdown pass. It was one of those guys that ended up transferring, you know. And, um, great question. Is it Stevens? That's a great question. You know, and so – and. But Dobbs went in there and played well. Then he has those moments where you like, you know, Dobbs is, is really growing. And then he has those other moments where you're like, dude, where are you throwing the football, you know? And, and that's the really frustrating thing is because Dobbs probably has the most up and down side of any of these <laughs> quarterbacks. You know, he has those moments where I don't know what he's trying to do, but Dobbs is a gamer. I will give him that. That's one of those kids you, you want trying to manage your team in a pressure situation. So we'll we'll see how he moves on uh or plays down in, in, in Mobile. Definitely try to get a talk with him, you know how we do our interviews. We I won't say we probably interviewed damn near everybody at the CFO last year. We we had a bunch of interviews. We tried to. They were frustrated when we gave in our cards. They're like, Well, seriously? All these guys? <laughs> All these guys, right. You know, looking at the running back position, um, I know this is not the complete list, but my God, there's some great talent here. Give me these five backs, and I can I can blow you out by just running the football. So, you know, there's a bunch of guys. Jamal Williams out of BYU. Danelle Pumphrey should have been in the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremonies. Kareem Hunt, no relation. Matt Days as well out of uh, North Carolina State. And all these guys from Wisconsin, to me, are built the same way, and they run the same. Corey Clement is the next in line of another uh, – long line of wisconsin tailbacks that have built they're the same quietly way. the same guy every year <laughs> exactly that you know what you make a great point they probably are all the same guy i'm pretty sure he also plays for new england on sundays too you know what i'm saying they they because again these games are on saturday they he can fly out on that private jet go play line up and be Dion lewis or whatever his name is that played for the patriots on sunday Basically, he just throws on a throws on a little 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 wig, pretends like he's uh, Le'Garrette Blunt, whatever. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying. So who who's out this this group that you're excited to check out? This is a great group. This is actually one of the best All Star lineups of five guys uh, that I've seen. Pumphrey is the guy that I think is just he's not getting credit, and people just have this mental makeup where they think a guy who's smaller 
means that he's a small back. This guy doesn't run like that. He doesn't take hits. He knows how to avoid them, almost like Ward Dunn used to do, where you're just confused and almost annoyed that he's so good at what he does. But the guy that I really like, he's not that burner. He's not too big, but he seems to find holes very well. Great vision is Matt Days from North Carolina State. I think he doesn't get enough credit for what he does, and he made things a lot easier on their quarterback and their offense uh, throughout the season. Yeah, Days is a tremendous talent, man. And, and that NC State program, quite honestly, going back to when we were in high school, I want to say the back at the time, Tremaine Stevens uh, was a really good running back. And now he's a, a running back, uh, running back, not coach, but one of those trainers that trains footwork and stuff like that. So he's a, he's a good, uh, good guy still to this day. So um, moving on to your position, the receiver position, I, I like what they, they have here couple of guys I recognize. Obviously, we cover the FCS a lot, so we know Cooper Cup is going to be there. And this season, my scouting season started off going to Syracuse and Colgate up at Syracuse. And I did not know. You know, that was in that was in uh, early September, maybe late early September, because the next day I had to color commentate the Georgetown game. But I did not know that the Carrier Dome didn't have air conditioning. So... <laughs> And, and so, and the the parking for the Carrier Dome is you got to park probably a, a two blocks away, but the Carrier Dome itself sits up on the hill. So you're I'm carrying the bag, rolling the bag up a hill two blocks, thinking like, man, once I get inside, I'm gonna be able to cool off because it was kind of you know it's early September, late August type weather. Yeah, a little steamy. Yeah. It's a little steamy. It doesn't matter if you're in Syracuse or if you're in Biloxi, Mississippi. <laughs> so I get inside the stadium, and I'm like, all right, maybe just because I'm in the the wind tunnel. It's hot. So I continue to walk further into the stadium, and it brings you field level before you get on the elevator. I'm like, why are there cool zone fans inside? That doesn't make sense. And lo and behold, once I got to my seat and sat down, I'm like, oh, my Jesus, Lord, it is hot in this piece. How do they play basketball? I guess because they figure, like, you know, it's only only, uh, hot maybe a month. You know, and it's cool the rest. But how you not have air conditioning in a carrier dome? Explain that to me. But I said all that to say this. Amba Edatawa was a guy that stood out to me in that first game in Colgate. He was amazing and had put together a very fantastic senior season. I was forced to have to know who he was because of what he did early in the season. He he really did a great job and and separated himself as one of the, the upper echelon receivers with how he actually performed early on. I was blown away, man. I was like, this guy is your quintessential deep ball threat. And not because he has blazing speed, which he has, but every time they needed a big play, and Colgate was able to slow them down earlier in the in the first half and got them in a lot of third and long situations. All he did was just step back and just throw the ball up to Edatawo. He came down with it, ultimately making a bunch of big plays and touchdowns. So and excited to see him here in Mobile. So. You know who it reminded me of the first time I saw him. You'll remember this. Maybe the fans will remember this as well. He played in Louisiana, ended up playing for Chicago Bears. Marty Booker, a guy who's not too, he's not overly impressive, like you said, a burner. But when a ball goes up, he's going to go get it. And Booker was good, man. But Northeast Louisiana at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. He became UL Monroe, our hated rivals. Uh, shout out to Sean Brown. You know what I'm saying? Teammate I was played Bean. at <laughs> Bean, played at UL Monroe, St. Thomas at UL Lafayette. So 
who's on his list that uh, that you're excited to check out uh, from the receiving position? So there's two guys for two different reasons. Um, so Josh Reynolds out of Texas A&M. I like the way he high points the ball. He, he's got to get more consistent with catching it, but I do like that when he goes after a pass, he's coming down with it. And a guy who might have the most talent out of all, this whole group, but he's the most inconsistent in my opinion, that's Fred Ross out of Mississippi State. I expected big things from him this year, and it was just a lack of consistency uh, that I saw. So I want to see him go out here and, and prove himself in a setting with a lot of – in an all-star setting with a lot of different guys and really show the talent that I think he possesses. i tell you what, though, man. If you imagine June Jones and Jerry Glanfield, two guys we talked to last year, interviewed last year at the East-West Ryan game, right, and at basically that whole Falcons – that 91 Falcon squad, basically interviewed with Broussard and, and Mathis, right? So imagine June Jones and Glanville getting their hands on Trent Taylor, Ryan Switzer, and D.D. Westbrook, and even Taewon Taylor. That's the, run, that's the fun and gun all over again, right? Well, yeah, they're just going to have a bunch of guys who can lose you in a phone booth making moves who can actually catch. <laughs> that's, gonna, that's ridiculous. I can't wait to see those guys out there get busy. The tight end position – uh, is shaping up this year overall to be a really good and deep position. And I, I don't want to say this is a great year for tight ends because you know how we are. We tend to say every year is a great year for all prospects at positions because we tend to go a little bit deeper than most. But this tight end class at the top is is tremendous. I mean, Evan you can, actually, you can have five tight ends taken in the first 64 picks, and that's not a stretch. At all. You know, and, and it's a shame that Jake Butt got hurt in the bowl game because, you mean, you, you look at a guy that was probably a first-round pick. But yeah. here we have Jeremy Spink, Sprinkle, Cole uh, Hicatini, Gerald Everett, local kid from South Alabama, Sunbelt football, and Evan Ingram. So out those five or four, I'm pretty sure they're going to add probably one more. Uh, who do you see as, as a standout or, or who you're excited to go check out? Uh, being flexed out, Evan Ingram, uh, I think that he pr- provides the same type of matchup issue that a guy like uh, Jordan Leggett out of Clemson does. Uh, I'm intrigued about Gerald Everett, though, out of the uh, out of Southern, South Alabama. Uh, really want to see what he has to offer. I'm excited to, to, to see more of him. I'm still trying to figure out why Sprinkle had to steal something out the, out the belt store, you know? See, I was going to leave that one alone, but... Plus, the list was just, it's like, oh, really? (laughs) I mean, he tried it. He tried it. He tried it. I think he thought it was an extra, use your allotment, get a free allotment. Exactly. Like, well, two for one, right? So, we'll give give him the benefit of the doubt. We're not going to hammer him too bad on, on here. But moving on to the offensive line, Julian Davenport out of Bucknell. I've seen a lot of, um, I sat down with his coach and did one of those football game plan university segments in the in the summer at Bucknell. Beautiful campus, by the way, uh, out there in, in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, coach Joe Susan is a funny guy. He, he told me, he was like, hey, the NFL scouts have been here for three years looking at Davenport. And he also gave me the heads up. He was like, keep an eye on our junior defensive lineman and Abdullah Anderson. He said the scouts have been looking at him since his freshman year. So, and then I spoke at, I spoke at, uh, I spoke with Davenport at the Patriot League Media Day later on in the summer. 
and he's a legit 6'7". You know, I'm 5'9", so he is towering over me. He's a legit 6'7", and he told me about the basketball background he has and also how Coach Susan, who has a, a martial arts background as well and was a great offensive lineman at University of Delaware when they ran the wing tee with Tubby uh, Raymond, the legendary coach up there, he said coach helped work with this technique. And when I did the broadcast for Georgetown Bucknell later on in the season, you could see him just dominate up front um, against a very good defensive line in Georgetown. So I'm excited to see how he does in front of uh, these scouts and personnel people and against a higher level of competition, so to speak. So what about you? Uh, that's two of the three guys from the tackle position. Uh, Julian Davenport's one of them also. Antonio Garcia out of uh, Troy, another Alabama guy. But the guy that I actually like, I like the the bit of nasty he has on him. That's uh, Adam Bissawadi out of uh, Pittsburgh, a guy who plays tackle who I think could even kick in the guard just because of the, the nature that he has and also the fact that he has the ability if uh, asked to to pull and get around. So that's the guy I'm, I'm interested in seeing because in, in those one-on-one battles, Offensive defense alignment. I like to see the guys who really have a nasty streak prove how nasty they can be. And that drill is specifically set up for that. You know, that's a that's the showcase drill. That's like one on ones with wide receivers and corners. You know, everyone wants to see the line work one on one drills. Although it's a bit unfair, but it's it it makes for a great watch, which is why everybody is flooding toward it. You know, when you look at the guard position, another guy I'm very familiar with, Jordan Morgan. He was a football game plan preseason All-American out of Cutstown. I did a PSAC game this year, which is uh, Pacific um, Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, I'm sorry. And they're one of the bigger and stronger Division II conferences, so they play a great brand of football. You can say that's probably the, if not the SEC, the Big Ten or ACC of Division II because there's some really great teams. And Cutstown had a great running back last year. Uh, that played with the Jets now. Uh, he's on a practice squad, Terry Johnson, and he had a really good receiver in uh, Andre King or Andrew King. He tore up. He was the fastest guy at the Baltimore Regional Combine, also performed well at Temple's Pro Day, and both guys told me about Morgan. So I went back and watched the film, and Morgan is a tremendous athlete, played tackle at Cutstown. Obviously, he's going to play guard in the NFL, but I love his athleticism. Who out of the guard position stands out to you? And out of the guard position, uh, that is actually a guy who you put me on, to be honest, with that video early in the season. So kudos to Emory for doing that that deep research. Uh, but Dorian Johnson out of Pittsburgh. Again, I like that Pittsburgh line. That's a that's a, a line in Canada. The offense coordinator had them doing some good things. So that's a guy I want to look at as well uh, that I'm not interested in seeing. I've already seen him, but want to see him in this setting. And moving on to the defensive side of the ball, I know there are some centers that we could talk about, but uh, you just recently saw Ethan Posick um, from LSU in the bowl game. What were your thoughts on him? I think that he's a clean prospect at center. I think that he does multiple things well. He picks up blitz as well. Uh, Very clean prospect. Uh, Not the cleanest I've seen. Uh, I think the penalties were better, but I would not mind him going early in the second round late in the first round, uh, and I would have no problem with that, even with some of the talent that's on the board. So you see him as like a Travis Frederick type because he's about the same height, one of those tall centers that you don't normally see. 
Correct. And I think that centers almost because of the responsibilities, they kind of get when they're bigger, they usually get kicked outside. Uh, when they're smaller, they get kicked inside. They're, they're used to operating in there. I think that he can be a monster on the next level because of that size. And it gives them that extra reach and the ability to pick up better with guys who are wrapping around. I think that sometimes it can end up being a positive like it is for Travis Frederick, who got a similar grade for me. Looking at that defensive line, and we're going to talk about the defensive ends first. Uh, but there's a bunch of guys on here that, that are not household names, and I'll give them a few. Uh, Tano Passanio, that guy. Hey, listen, I, you know, I travel a lot with the, the, doing the whole scouting stuff um, within the Northeast. So I'm at a lot of Villanova games. I'm at a lot of Bucknell games and things of that nature. So I've seen this kid since he was a sophomore, and they had two other outstanding pass rushers on that defensive line. But the coach pulled me to the side and was like, hey, keep an eye on passing you. And this guy is, you know, you may remember this, but a lot of the football newbies may not know who this guy is. But Sean Jones that played with the, the Oilers and the, the Raiders, big, yeah. tall Sean Jones, like with big, long hands he's he's a legit six seven as well and you know chris canty a good friend of mine is the same size and just a big towering guy at six seven and i'm not saying he's chris canty but he's more like sean jones and i think he even has he's a lean 290 as well so i think he can even get out to maybe 300 pounds and not lose speed and athleticism coming off the edge they had him playing inside in that three three five i think he could be an outside you know defensive end in a regular 4-3 so I'm excited to see how he competes from a leverage standpoint and technique standpoint because he has all the raw physical skills and put together a phenomenal season this year for the Wildcats and, and Keonta Davis my old college coach uh, Carrie Bailey was a defensive line coach this season at Chattanooga and now he's the de defensive line coach newly defensive line coach at Richmond uh, they just got the job there this this offseason as that whole staff left so he coached Keonta Davis this past season. And Keonta Davis, quite honestly, gave Cam Robinson fits in that game against Alabama. And when you talk, he told me, he said, Davis is 270, but he's built like he's 250. So, again, another guy with speed, athleticism, power coming off the edge that can probably get up to 290. So those two guys I'm excited to see. What about you? And Keonta Davis is one of those guys. Remember, we did the uh, FCS preview before the year, and Chattanooga was one of my teams in, the, in that conference that I was looking at. So, con, so mm -hmm. he was one of the guys that I thought just popped. And, yes, in an Alabama game, fits. Gave them fits. I don't think Nick Saban was really lying to people because, you know, they, they think he gives lip service sometimes. I don't think he gives lip service as much as people think. He was serious when he said, we're playing a good football team. In Chattanooga, so we actually have to pay attention. Uh, so I, I'm looking at him, and also a guy who's always active, Jordan Willis out of Kansas State. I like guys who who, who just come with their their lunch pail and just do the job consistently, and and he's one of those guys. Well, that's the thing I want to ask you about Jordan Willis because I wasn't as familiar with him until I started watching the bowl game. Um, I caught the bowl game, and I'm like, first of all, he's a DN wearing 75. You gotta you gotta watch somebody wearing 75, right? You know, it just because it was like, that's a big number. You know what I'm saying? You don't see that a lot. Yeah. You know, and, and he was always in the backfield. I'm like, man, 
this guy is 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 nice coming off the edge. So obviously I did my my little film work and study and was like, okay, I see why he's going to the Senior Bowl. And because for me, and just to let everybody know, you know, I'm, since I'm in the game all season, I I can't scout like I do now because I don't have because I'm not on the road, I'm not traveling a lot, and I'm not calling games, so I can't have I don't have the the time to to scout like I would um, otherwise. You know, so I would have a, a pretty much good idea about all these guys. But Willis is one that definitely when you turn on a Kansas State game, you know who he is. And that's yep. what you want to see from these senior bowl prospects. Absolutely. <laughs> I was actually surprised. Uh, I was on uh, with uh, on the uh, ESPN affiliate with the West Virginia guys. And we were talking about the fact that he was giving West Virginia fits as well when they played. It's, <laughs> it's a guy every game. You you know who he is, you know, and we scroll. I'm scrolling. I'm on the Senior Bowl website as I'm scrolling the prospects, and I see one name that we forgot to talk about before we go to defensive tackles. But Sam Rogers, the fullback from Virginia Tech. If your fullback can get out there and run routes, make people miss, outrun defensive backs, he is a tailback too. I like Sam Rogers. Uh, if I if I remember correctly, I think Sam Rogers was giving Ohio State's fits not too long ago. Yeah, exactly. Like making people foolish. He made it a couple of uh, you. If you find his highlight tape, I guarantee you see a bunch of Ohio State players on it because that's when he started this this train. Yeah, I'm taking a fullback in the first round if he plays like Sam Rogers. So <laughs> fast forward to defensive tackles. We see a local guy from from New Orleans. I say local because me and Chris are both from New Orleans. But Tanzel Smart is a tremendous talent. If you haven't seen him play. In the Senior Bowl, you're going to be in for a treat. He's one of the best in the country. What are your thoughts on Smart, and what other defensive tackle prospects are you looking at in this game? And that's a guy, shamefully, I have not seen enough to make a good judgment on him. Literally only saw a, a fraction of a second of a two-lane game this year. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the guys I actually have an earmark to pay attention to because with all these guys, look, I'll say it right now, if a guy tells you, when he's talking about football and scouting, that he knows every person you ever ask him about, one of two things. Either he is the, the end-all, do-all, the, 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 that guy, which doesn't exist. His name is Bill Polian. Or he's lying. So there are some guys where I need to gain more familiarity because it's hard to actually judge someone damn near impossible if you're not familiar with him. So he's earmarked as a guy I want to get familiar with, especially because, and yes, bias, he's a two-lane product. So I'm a little ashamed that I don't have more to say about this young man. See, the thing is, the trip part is a lot of people may look at certain names and, and formulate a whole scout report based off that, like, oh, man, Tanzel Smart, yeah, tenacious. You know, the, the word Tanzel just sounds tenacious, and you look at Larry Ogunjobi, oh, yeah, he's a fighter in the middle, like, you know, just because it's his last name. So it's easy for people to do that. But once again, you were at the Outback Bowl. So you saw Florida and, and Iowa. And Jalil Johnson, I mean, my goodness. What are your thoughts on him? What people need to understand, and, and he's one of the guys, Iowa got their butt kicked on the scoreboard. But they did not on the, the defensive line. A lot of turnovers happened on the offensive side. That defensive line was active, and he was jumping off the screen all over the place 
Florida actually could not effectively run the ball at all in the first half. It wasn't until they got worn down on the defensive side in the second half late in the game where they were able to do anything. But this guy was living in the backfield. He just wasn't getting those plays. He wasn't making the backfield tackle, but he was ma- he was clogging up lanes, causing them not to get bigger runs. Yeah, I like Johnson a lot, man. I'm excited to see him get down there and compete. Inside linebackers or linebackers in general, you have Duke Raleigh from LSU. Um, really good prospect. But you also look at these outside linebackers. Uh, you know, Ryan Anderson played opposite of Tim Williams of Alabama. I like Tim Williams too, boy. Uh, I like Tim Williams because – Tim Williams look looks like he liked to fight. You know what I'm saying? One of those dudes that you grew, one of those dudes that you grew up with that just always want to fight. You know what I'm saying? You need that on your defense. So I like him because uh, that's how he looks to me. But you got Ryan Anderson. You have uh, Hassan Reddick. I've seen a lot of Reddick because uh, I go to a lot of Temple games as well. Um, very good defense. And, you know, here's a guy that came in as a walk-on as – an offensive player running back and played like six or seven positions before he finally settled down at outside linebacker and turned into a player. What what number does Reddick wear? Seven. That tells you all you need to know. If you know the Temple program, you know he's one of the toughest guys on the team. And, and it showed, uh, you know, he still has some, some issues versus the run, but I was impressed. I was at the East Carolina game, and that particular game, you know, East Carolina goes out there with one offensive lineman, and 10 wideouts, right? <laughs> and so they go spread the field, and he was lined up in space and did not look awkward covering guys. I'm talking about covering tight ends and running backs. So I was impressed with that. What, what are your thoughts on this linebacker group? There's one guy, and I'm wondering if he's going to be able to play, uh, Jared Davis out of Florida. Uh, listen, they have him listed as outside linebacker. They need to just take the, the first person off. He's just a linebacker. You can put him at any position, play middle, he plays strong, weak side. I even rush the passer with this guy. He does so much, and he's so intelligent with the way that he actually responds. Doesn't take many false steps, and that ends up usually being a problem with a linebacker because they're so quick to go that they may take a false step the wrong way. He's His, his level of instinct is top-notch. Yeah, I mean – and when he hits you, you go down. You're like, you like linebackers like that. These linebackers nowadays, for the most part, don't hit hard like classic linebackers do. He's one of those classic guys that really is what you like to call a quote-unquote thumper. So you're looking at the secondary. There's a couple of guys that I've seen up close. Obi Melanfonwu out of UConn. UConn has a really good football team. They're, they are what I would call a sleeping giant. They are the two-lane of the Northeast because they have a ton of talent in a good area, but you don't understand why they're not winning consistently. And Mellon Fonwu was a great safety great for them. Question. Great question. You, you, you make a great point. I mean, UConn is pushing out talent every year, but their record doesn't show <laughs> that they have that level of talent. But they push out talent every year, folks. Every year. And John Johnson, another guy coming from – uh, a very good defensive football team in Boston College. I was at the Boston College Clemson game. Uh, he definitely had a really good game there. And you also look at the cornerback position. Um, you know, you're jumping around here. But I did see uh, Marquez White. Saw him play live against Boston College. Rasul Douglas was a guy I saw at JUCO. And I remember writing in my notes that this guy can start day one when he goes to the FBS and be an impact player. 
He didn't start last year. He was an inside player for West Virginia. But this year, I want to say eight interceptions, one of the country's leaders in picks. And now he finds himself in the senior bowl as a corner at 6'2", 203. And I also am a big fan of Ezra Robinson of Tennessee State. He was a football game plan, preseason All-American. So those are the guys I saw a lot of. But Douglas, to me, is going to be a tremendous player. Absolutely. And, and he made some good plays in the game. Uh, and I just saw, and unfortunately, West Virginia after that forgot to cover the flats at any point in time. But uh, in general, I like Ezra Robinson. Again, you brought him to my attention. Uh, and also, Desmond King and Cornelder, two guys that I like at the cornerback position. I like King. I think he mirrors really well, uh, and he makes plays uh, even in the return game. The corn Elder is a guy that doesn't get the respect. He actually comes up and hits. There are some corners who think that hitting's just an optional thing. This guy actually wants to tackle. So uh, I'm impressed whenever secondary members like to be a complete football player. Well, and King gets a bad rap, I think, man. I like someone that's solid. I think we don't – I think people may look at the word solid as a slight, but solid means I know what to expect from you. And when I'm saying someone's solid, I'm talking about it from a positive point of view i think king's a solid player man so i'm gonna make a comment and people are going to misquote me i don't care what he reminds me of is not this player in the nfl because this player when he was in his heyday of the nfl was ridiculous but when he was at Pitt, he reminds me of darrell revis the darrell revis from Pitt, a guy who you're not impressed with anything he's doing physically from a standpoint of, oh, my goodness, this guy's a burner. He's doing this or that. But receivers can't get away from him. There's, there's got to be something that's said for that, even if you're not running a 4-240. If a receiver can't get away from you, you're doing something right. Listen, at the end of the day, it's about being where you're supposed to be, catching the football when you have opportunities. And you talk about a guy like King, and a lot of people may say he should be a – you should be a safety or stay at corner. To me, listen, just play back there, do what you're supposed to do, find the ball, don't get caught not looking at the ball and, and get and get moss. You know what I'm saying? So King, he doesn't have to be a burner. And I kind of like that comparison you made of uh, Darrell Revis because, quite honest, d- doesn't King return kicks and punts too? Yep. So Revis did the same thing. And Revis, to me, it's funny – I don't ever remember Revis being a burner. You know, no. he was just he was he's quick, which is what you have to have to return. Hell, you return kicks, I return punts. You are light years faster than me, Chris, but I return punts. I'm not saying I'm quicker than you, but I'm not as fast as you, but I would damn sure not return would have, wouldn't have had return kicks. So you have to be at least shifty enough to return punts cuz uh, that's all punt return is. So yeah. he's shifty enough to not only play the cornerback position, but he's shifty enough to return punts. And nine times out of ten, he's played well. He's been an All-American, what, two years in a row, all-conference performer as well in the Big Ten that has now transitioned into what the ACC was in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? It's no longer three yards in the cloud of dust anymore in the Big Ten. They're actually yep. throwing the ball, you know. Uh, so The King end up leading or was one of the leads in the, in the nation in picks. So, again, yeah, like you said, he actually, when the ball gets near him, he picks it off. I think he had eight last year. Eight last year, you know, so and came back. He could have left early and probably would have been a first-round pick. So um, I like King. I, I like King. I like the ball skills that he has. Brendan Langley out of Lamar, 
I'm very familiar with. He was a former Baylor player, but um, Coach Bailey coached at Lamar, told me about Langley. Coach Bailey's been everywhere um, in the last couple of years, but he's he's done a great job everywhere. So, and Sutton is a great returnman as well. So, you know, you know, this is going to be a very good senior bowl crop, and they're not done yet putting together this roster. But from here on out, I mean, just from this point of what we have already listed, where would you rank this senior bowl group? Uh, or let's, I don't want to say that because that would require the tremendous research. Did last year's group, uh, would you think who would win a game, last year's team or this year's team? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it like this. I think this year's team at certain positions has more talent. But that, that's a good question because you got to understand, I liked some of the quarterbacks there last year more than this year. Obviously, I like Dak Prescott a lot. But I would say that this year's group, since it does have more talent at certain positions, could stretch the field and, and, and do some work against last year's team. Yeah. I'll take this year's team. Yeah, this this year's team got some some tight ends, some running backs, you know, got yeah. some, some pass rushes. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But this was this was good though. You know, what what you got coming up this this upcoming week before you get down to Mobile in a couple of weeks? So and and you actually kind of led me into uh, something that I wanted to mention because I will be covering, and I believe you will as well, the East-West Shrine game. Um, the Senior Bowl this year has had more than a couple of guys kind of switch their commitments from other All-Star games. Uh, I will make this statement. You know, you have to put yourself in the best position to be seen and give yourself an opportunity to be taken as high as you can in the best position possible at the same point in time there is something to be said about sticking to your commitment if you make a commitment to one place one school one all-star game don't flip it to another place that's just me and that's just the way i look at it if i were a gm it wouldn't stop me from drafting you or putting you on my team but it is something that i would keep in mind and keep a note on that that happened it's something small but a lot of small things. They have a saying, "Death by a thousand paper cuts." This, these, all these small things could add up at some point in time. I mean, let's let's dive into it for a second because you're talking about guys on this list that have had invites and have accepted those invites to other All Star games. You know, some guys may have been invited to the NFL PA. Nathan uh, Peterman uh, was invited and committed to the East-West Shrine game. So we're not going to see him. He may still play in both, but I doubt it. Um, but he's now a senior bowl guy. So are you talking about these guys accepting these? Do you think guys are accepting these commitments too quickly? And once they get the senior bowl, which is the, the prettiest girl on the block, so to speak, they see, oh, now the senior bowl wants attention. Do they leave what they already have, that bird in the hand, two in the bush type deal, and wait for the senior bowl? And it, it gives me that feeling, and maybe maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I'll I'll be the first to admit that it's it's hard to judge another man or person or whoever's decision making process. But from the outside looking in, yes, I feel like that is it. That an offer was extended, and they said, "Okay, great." But then, like you said, the prettier girl came along. And they went, "Well, you know, uh, sorry." And just for me, it, it leaves a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, it's. If you have your heart set on something, wait for it. 
And if that doesn't play out, then guess what? It's not the end of your story. If you think you really want to go to the Senior Bowl and for some reason you don't get an invite from the Senior Bowl and you passed on another one, well, you know what? At your pro day, at your workout, hopefully the combine, go prove yourself there, do some things there, but definitely don't accept something and then move on from it. Uh, that's just not something that sits well with me. Yeah, because I think right now the NFL PA game, which has gotten pilfered the most, I think I ain't checked the mail today, but I'm pretty sure I got an invite from the NFL PA. <laughs> I guess they're down to me now. So, you know, well, Chris, always thanks for taking time and um, tell people where they can follow you on Twitter and things of that nature. Uh, definitely. You can follow, follow me at, at CJ Florida nine. Uh, that's at CJ Florida nine. Uh, you can also get to me through the, the, the Facebook page, football game plan, Facebook page through there. Or if you want to email me, feel free to reach out in the snail mail, even though it's not actual snail mail email is now considered snail mail in some uh, respects with how social media operates, but see James at football game plan.com. Any of these places you can get in contact with me, I'll get back with you. Uh, if you're a player or whatnot from uh, Division Three, Division Two, wherever, I will give you a grade. If you sit, if you take the time to send me your tape with questions, I'll give you the proper amount of time. I will watch it. I'll give you a full grade and assessment areas that need improvement, areas where you excel. And trust me, it, it will not be something real quick where I just pop it and I will go through the time of going through that because you went through the time of reaching out to me. Yeah, Chris is very good and thorough with that. That's why we have him on our squad, outside the fact that he's been my friend since uh, we were 12 years old. So, But Chris oh. is <laughs> very thorough with his work and his, his analysis and his process. So, Chris, once again, thanks for taking time. This was another edition of Scout Team, the podcast. Again, you can find this archived on iTunes and on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast.